the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plum Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph. On the broadcast, I continue my discussion with Dr. Mark Terman, the Executive Director of Denison Forum, as we talk about Catholicism from a biblical worldview. Stay with me and reach out to me anytime at this email, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors, Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. I am so thankful that you have signed on to The Plum Line. This Christ-honoring radio show was birthed out of my lifelong career in radio and God's plan for me to serve Him as a radio missionary to our nation, a nation where less than 9% of those who call themselves Christians hold to a biblical worldview, according to George Barna's research. God laid it upon my heart to use the gifts of expositing the scriptures and discernment from the Word of God to examine dozens of issues that are relevant to our society today from a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview is the lens that Christians should use to view everything. Yet, unbeknownst to many who call themselves Christians, their views on numerous matters are not based upon the only perfect, 100% reliable standard, the Word of God, our plumb line. So in order to address that troubling statistic, the Plumb Line radio show began in Iowa in late 2022 and is now growing across the country, including into your area. If you appreciate the mission and ministry of The Plumb Line, I would appreciate hearing from you. You can share your financial support or simply a message letting me know you're tuning in and praying for this ministry by emailing theplumlineradio at gmail.com. On part two of our broadcast today with Mark Terman of Denison Forum discussing Catholicism from a biblical worldview. We'll take a look at how this is really a broader issue that speaks to any faith tradition or denomination that doesn't align with the Word of God. When any teachings don't align with what God's Word has to say, that makes that a false religion or false doctrine. And so that's our discussion, centering again specifically around Catholicism from a biblical worldview. My friends at GodQuestions.org that I referred to in the last segment, I want to turn to them again because they just state this very well when they say the official position of the Roman Catholic Church is that a person must believe in Jesus Christ. That's good. They should just stop there. <laughs> they get in trouble after that. So, But the official position also includes be baptized, receive the Eucharist along with other sacraments, 
sacraments and obey the decrees of the Roman Catholic Church and perform meritorious works and not die with any mortal sins, and etc., etc., etc. And so out of that, gotquestions.org says, Catholicism is a false religion. I'm quoting them on that, not because I don't want to take the blame for saying that, because I would agree with that too, but I, I want to point out that while we're not trying to create any offense here, unnecessarily anyway, we want to be clear. And I think we need to be clear enough to say that, because if a person believes what the Catholic Church officially teaches, he or she will not be saved. And let me pause on that for a second to say, and gotquestions.org agrees with what I'm going to say here, and I think you will too, Dr. Terman, there are saved people within the Catholic Church, and there's no doubt about it. But I think the way that I've heard it put is that they're saved despite the Catholic Church and its teachings. Would that be a good way to kind of put it? I think that's a legitimate way of putting it. I don't know if I'd use exactly those words, but I think that is a legitimate description. I have family members, like I said, that are still actively practicing Roman Catholics. I have friends that are also Roman Catholics. I know priests that are Roman Catholic, and I have a great regard and love and respect for them. But I have real difficulties with some of the things that you just pointed out, some of the fundamental teachings of the Catholic Church. That's why I'm not Catholic. And we have to step back and say, you know what, why we need to be respectful and loving toward everybody. We don't mean malice toward anybody, but we're trying to understand faith in its clearest form as presented to us by the thing that is most objective, which is Scripture. And Scripture has held its own veracity and accuracy for hundreds of years, now 2,000 years. At the same time, we have to step back and realize that we are a part of a long conversation, and that we are still in this conversation touching upon things that brought about what we now historically call the Protestant Reformation. These were very big conversations 500 years ago, 700 years ago, and even further, where people were trying to come back to a place of clarity and understanding. And we have to realize we're not the first person to raise these questions, but the Bible does clearly say, I believe, that it is by faith alone in Christ alone that we are saved. And you don't put anything after that. It's not and do this, that, or anything. It is by believing in Jesus alone that we are saved and forgiven and made right with God. And that must be absolutely clear. That is the simple gospel that we need to hold to because that's what Jesus came to give us. Hmm. I'm just thinking here, some might say, well, what's the difference? I believe in Jesus. I agree with what you're saying, but I also think that we need to receive the Eucharist and these other sacraments. What's the matter with adding these things? Well, the problem with it is is that so easily, and church history, I believe, bears this out, all history bears this out, if you think that there's something else that you need to add, then how do you know when you've added enough? And you immediately start moving into a works, merit kind of salvation that is completely contradictory to the grace salvation that is offered in the gospel of Jesus. Because if there's something else that you and I need to do, whether that is religious work or forms of obedience or amounts of sacrifice, then how do you ever know that you've done enough to actually? meet the standard that is nowhere specified in the Bible that it would be Jesus plus 
these kinds of things, these kinds of works, this many times of receiving communion, or this many acts of confession, or this many good works, all of those things, I believe in the Bible, are described as the natural outgrowth of a person who is grateful for the grace that they receive, not somebody who is trying to make sure they reach a certain level of merit or that they have somehow tipped the scale in their benefit because what Jesus did was a good start, but it wasn't enough. That kind of thinking is totally contrary to the gospel. And when we start thinking that way, we start then having to focus on, well, if I have to add something, I have to be focused on that. And I'll never really know if I did enough until I finally see God face to face. And I hope I will, but I'll have no idea beforehand. And that's not the way God wants us to live. He wants us to live in security and peace, knowing that we are sealed in an eternal relationship of grace and reconciliation because totally of what Jesus did. Mm, amen. Yeah, and that's the saddest way of all to live, is is going through life never knowing. The Bible tells us we can know, we can have the assurance. First John chapter 5, is it? Yes, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm recollecting anyway, is where, I mean, and there's other places too, but that's the one that came to mind about that we can have that assurance of salvation if we truly believe, if we've repented and, and believe. And so that being said, I want to kind of follow along the same vein of thought here regarding adding things to salvation. When we start to do that also, we find some things added, things that are definitely not salvation-related that just become part of the doctrine or part of the teaching of any denomination that's kind of gone awry. And so I want to touch on a few of those here. One in particular that applies to uh, the Catholic Church is the whole concept of who we pray to. Do we pray to Mary? Do we pray to saints that have passed on? And, and that's I guess that's kind of a whole other issue, too. Who are saints? As the Catholic Church would say, you know, they approve of who are saints. I say, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm a saint, and I guess you probably say that, too. So I'm kind of mixing up these things here, but why don't we start with that, since I said that last, and then we'll talk about who we pray to. But the reality reality that my understanding is everyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ and has put their faith in Christ and in Christ alone is is a saint. Yeah, I think that's exactly what the Bible says. The Bible describes the followers of Christ with a number of terms. Sometimes we are called Christians, actually only one time in the book of Acts, and was probably given as a title of derision, but one that has been redeemed for better purposes. But Christians in the early church, as we see it in the book of Acts, were called the followers of the way. They were called brothers and sisters because of the way that they cared for each other as a family of faith. And they are called at times saints, those who are set apart. The word saint means one who is holy or one who is set apart as different because of their relationship with Christ. Not because they're better than other people, not because they are sinless or anything like that, but because they have been changed and they are being changed by the grace of God. And that's, in my opinion, the biblical definition of what a saint is, not somebody who is set apart and memorialized in a certain way as if that's only going to be true of a small subset of Christians. I believe the Bible says that we are all positionally made different because of our relationship with Christ through faith and that we are being made different to the degree that we, on a daily basis, surrender ourselves to his leadership, submit to him, and allow him to continue to change us 
into what he has already made us to be for eternity, which is his redeemed children. Mm, Yes. Let's touch on this other one that I brought up here, and then we'll have to wrap up this segment. But as followers of Christ, who are we supposed to pray to? Well, we pray to God and to Jesus and the Spirit through the Spirit of God, because the Bible reveals that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, three distinct persons, and yet one together as God. And when it comes to the Catholic Church's tradition of praying to Mary or praying to saints, you know, I grew up in that environment. We had a very high respect and reverence, especially for Mary. I understand that, but I think it is what may have been initially a well-intentioned idea that has gone too far and gone awry. There's nothing in the biblical text that says that Mary or any other Christian should be set apart and memorialized as a person to whom we would pray or through whom we would pray. The Bible says very clearly in Jesus's own model prayer given to us in the book of Matthew and in other places that we pray directly to our Heavenly Father with the help of the Holy Spirit and because of what Jesus did. Now, it's great for us to remember great figures in the Bible, great people who were a part of Jesus's story. Mary and Joseph, certainly a part of that. Certainly the apostles are a part of that. But no one is like Jesus, and no one is the person through whom and to whom we pray other than God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We have the incredible privilege and the great, great opportunity and responsibility to come to Jesus every single day through this avenue called prayer. We don't have to go through another person of any level or stature. We can go, as the book of Hebrews says, boldly into the throne room of God, and we can talk to him directly, knowing that he hears all of our prayers and that he will answer according to his good and perfect will. Amen. Yes. First Timothy 2 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. So that's the verse uh, you're referencing there. And I want to wrap up this uh, segment by saying that I believe Mary would be appalled if she knew that people were worshiping her. That would be appalling to her. And just as it was to the Apostle Paul, you know, in Corinth, when they were fighting over which Bible teachers they followed to the point of practically worshiping Paul, he said that was appalling. And these saints, these Christians of old, did not want anyone else to worship them or to pray to them. Absolutely. We see that happen in the book of Acts and other times, right, where anybody tried to elevate one of those early church leaders to some kind of a status quasi to Jesus or to the Spirit, they were absolutely rejecting that, refusing to be put on that kind of a level because they understood that they were people just like all the other believers and that what they needed to do was to focus on the person of Christ. Yes, indeed. All right, well, we have one final segment to come and a fair amount of ground yet that I want to cover. So stick around here. We'll get to some more things on the Plum Line. And again, the email address is theplumlineradio at gmail.com. That's theplumlineradio at gmail.com. This is a listener-supported radio ministry. So maybe if you're really appreciating the dialogue that we're having today, you would like to uh, share some support. Well, just email me and I can direct you on how to do that. Again, it's theplumlineradio at gmail.com. When it comes to education for your student, Northwest Christian School believes that trusted truth transforms. 
With that in mind, they developed their fully online Christian school, NCS Online, for your kindergarten through ninth grade student. NCS Online curriculum has been developed in-house by experienced Christian educators and is infused with a biblical worldview. NCS Online provides a rigorous, affordable, customizable online education in an established Christian community and culture. Visit ncsonline.org to learn more or contact their admissions team at 602-978-5134. Life can be tough, and sometimes we all need a helping hand. That's where Integrity Counseling Group comes in. At Integrity, we're not just counselors. We're your companions on the journey of healing. We believe in restoring connections with yourself, with your loved ones, and with your faith. With three welcoming locations in Mission Valley, Carlsbad, and San Marcos, plus convenient telehealth services across California, we're right by your side, San Diego. Visit us at integritycounselinggroup.com or call us anytime at 760-283-7000. 760-283-7000. Hey, I'm with Michael Ross, the creator of Revelator Games. Michael, can you tell us why you developed this unique game? Sure. Let me just clarify something. So it's a small group Bible study activity with a board game element to it. I created the game because I myself personally delight in God's Word you know, through scripture memorization. So I created this game so that we can, one, memorize scripture, but also have fun while we're doing it. The Remain game and more, you can check out Mike's products at revelatorgames.com. Thank you for tuning in to The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and this radio broadcast is all designed around glorifying God, exalting Him and His name, and we do so by looking at issues and topics from what the Word of God has to say about those things. And believe me, the Word of God has something to say about every topic and issue that we can address. Sometimes just because we don't see the words specifically in the Word of God, there are still principles and verses that deal with it. And this time around, we're talking about Catholicism from a biblical worldview. My guest is Dr. Mark Terman, Executive Director of Denison Forum. And I want to spend a little bit of time here on a couple different aspects. One of those is I mentioned that there are Catholics who are truly saved, who are truly born-again Christians, just as there are in every denomination. And the fact is, there are saved people in every denomination, and there are unsaved people in every denomination. So you can't look at the Baptists or someone and say, hey, they're Baptists, they're saved. Uh, So not all are saved within any denomination, and not all are lost within any denomination. And that's why this program is so important, because we want all of every denomination to tune in, to hear the gospel, and, and to be saved. But the question that I have for you is, what about those who are saved in, in any denomination, and yet the church that they go to doesn't teach truth from the Word of God, is not grounded in the Scriptures? Do they stay? Do they leave? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think this is a really hard issue. I had a very lengthy conversation with a medical doctor just recently about this because the church that he's been a part of basically his whole life is turning away from some of the clear teachings of Scripture, and it's just breaking his heart. I mean, this is a place where he went to worship with his parents and possibly his grandparents, I'm not sure, where his children were dedicated when they were first born, where some of them made their professions of faith when they accepted Christ later on where marriages took place, where funerals occurred, where life was lived. And so being in a church, a local church, is a wonderful place. It is where so much wonderful life and fellowship and connection and growth occurs. But we also have to recognize that churches sometimes do change directions. Sometimes denominations, whole groups of churches 
can change a direction. And at times, that may be a direction that is away from some of the clear teachings of the Bible. Now, again, as I said earlier, just want to be clear, these are big issues, and we're not the first group of people to ever struggle with them and try to understand them. How did we get to the place where we have so many different kinds of Christians, so many different kinds of churches? It's because believers have struggled over many of the same issues we're talking about today in the past, and that's how we've gotten to different places. But I think your local church is so important. Faith is so important that when you see your church moving away from the clear teachings of Scripture, you have to say something about that, try to work within the church that you're in. And if that church continues to move away from what the Bible clearly teaches, then I think you have to go find a different church, as painful as that may be, because your history with that church and your emotional connections to that church are important, they're real, but the most important thing is is that you're in a place where God's truth is being as clearly taught as possible. No church is perfect, no pastor is perfect, no denomination is perfect, but when it's clear that you're going in a direction away from the Bible, then you have to either help that church come back or you have to go find a church that's staying on point as best as you can see with what the teachings of Scripture are all about. Mm, yes, yeah, I would certainly concur with that. So, you know, Jesus' words are recorded in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7, verse 9, saying something to the Pharisees. He said, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. And I kind of want to wrap up with this thought, because there are a lot of aspects of Catholicism that we did not get to. For example, purgatory is one that I kind of wanted to touch on, but we don't really have much time to get into that here. Transubstantiation, uh, infant baptism, the whole sacramental system, and just uh, lots of others, too. I'm just uh, listing off a, a few. We could you know, mention the Pope, too, and, and his role in things. And so what I want to bring up is these come out of tradition, not out of the Word of God. And Jesus, I believe that's what he was saying to the Pharisees when he said, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. And I think whether it's the Roman Catholic Church or any other religion or faith system where tradition takes priority or precedence over the Word of God, you're in very dangerous territory. Oh, I would agree. And I think the Pharisees are a cautionary tale for us because if you go back and look at where the Pharisees originated from, they originated from a genuine passion to try to know God and walk with him sincerely. And yet, by the time we get to the story of Jesus, this group has become so focused and enamored with their way of thinking, and they have stopped going back to the scripture that was predicting the coming of Jesus as the Savior. And so, as a minister of the church, this is something that's always been very concerning to me. It wasn't the people who were the worst of the worst sinners, as we would say morally in Jesus' day, who led him primarily to being on the cross. It was the religious people, the Pharisees, who, as a friend of mine says, they were really good at trying to be good, but they had allowed their understanding and their traditions to become more important than the simple word of God that was pointing them to the coming Savior. And when Jesus came, they were blind to him. They couldn't see that God was actually doing what he had promised to do. And so they are a cautionary tale for us. 
that any of us can become so focused on our own understanding rather than on the clear teachings of Scripture that we start to put our understanding, our opinion ahead of the Word of God, and that will lead us into deception. And that we must ask God for humility to never go down that road. Mm, yes. Well, I want to wrap up. We've got just about a minute left here yet, and, and I want to give you the opportunity, particularly because you come out of a, a Roman Catholic background, and admittedly it was just when you were really young, but you still have a great heart, and my wife's family has a background in that, and I have other people that I know and, and love that have either a Roman Catholic background or are still Catholics, and so my heart just yearns and, and cries out for them to know truth, and I, I wanted to give you the opportunity as we wrap up and conclude our time together to just speak from the heart about what your desire is for these friends and loved ones of yours? My desire would be that everyone would simply know Jesus for who he is, that they would know him as the God of all grace, and that we would live by faith and with gratitude for him, not out of anxiety or fear, not trying to impress him, but just knowing that he is so in love with us that he was willing to die on the cross. As someone said recently to me, it's a story that sounds too good to be true, but it's also a story so good that it has to be true because it comes from God. Only God could love us this way. Only God could be so generous as to give his son on the cross as the sacrifice for our sin. It is a story that if anybody else were to be behind it, it would be too good to be true. But because it comes from the heart and the love of God, it is so good, it has to be true. And it is a a life that leads us to abundance and joy and to a life with God that is not available anywhere else. It is the simple gift of God provided for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it. Mark Terman. My guest from the Denison Forum, and just a really, really important topic and very grounded discussion here that we've had. And so I appreciate uh, your time, Mark, and thanks for your insights. Thank you, Jay. Great to be with you. This is The Plum Line, and I do hope that uh, you have enjoyed being tuned in. Maybe something's kind of welling up in your spirit right now, especially if you're tuned in as someone who is Roman Catholic. And I would love to talk with you. Don't want to leave it here. So let me share that email address again, and we will connect. It is theplumlineradio at gmail.com, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.